0: Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. Well, I yeah. know you wanted to share a, a story with us today, yeah, and I read but, this uh, cool thing uh, on your Facebook page. Yeah, I'm going to read it, um, and then, um, yeah, we'll talk about it So, before we take calls. Um, so this is what I posted on my, uh, on my Facebook page this morning, which any of you can just read by just going to Dr. Wayne Dyer, uh, Facebook and it pops up. Um I'm not a, I'm not a friend or non-friend or people like or don't like I don't know how all of that works you know my someone my daughter says I got unfriended and I said what well, how do you what how do you unfriend someone <laughs> I don't <laughs> I got unlike I said what what are these words what what does that mean <laughs> but, so I I don't I'm not hooked up on it but I have a uh, I guess it's a celebrity page or a prominent person page or something but there's 2 million 140,000 people on it so uh, it's a great community that's more people than uh, than I know, I think. So. <laughs> anyway, so we posted this yesterday. And I said, yesterday I received a holiday gift that I will always treasure. Uh, the phone rang, and it was a gentleman that I had spoken to about a decade ago in the year 2004. Dr. Arnold Friedman, uh, who's an oral surgeon, was speaking uh, with a ton of emotion in his voice. Recalling a conversation we'd had back in 2004 when he had given only a few, he'd been given only a few months to live. I include his letter and photo as a reminder to anyone who has been given a diagnosis of a terminal illness. Today he is disease free and he attributes his healing to a monumental shift in attitude that transpired after our lengthy phone conversation. You never know what a kind, encouraging conversation can bring about. I had long forgotten about that phone call to a stranger in Maryland while I was changing planes at LAX. And to receive that phone call yesterday and his email to me was the very nicest present I could have received this holiday season. So I ask everyone to take a moment to offer encouragement and love to another, especially especially those in harmony uh, and harrowing uh, circumstances. The results will astound you, even if they arrive a decade later. And I said, Happy Holidays, I am Wayne. So the phone just rang uh, yesterday afternoon, and it was uh, this gentleman named uh, Dr. Arnold Friedman. And um, we talked for a little while, and then he sent me this email, which I asked him to send. He said, Dear Dr. Dyer, on April the 1st, 2004, I was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor and told I probably had only months to live. A few weeks later the air conditioning at my home stopped working. We called for service but was told they couldn't come for a few days so we took a short drive. While I was out I called the repair service again and explained my recent surgery and was advised that they would send a technician shortly. We immediately turned around and went home. As we walked through the door the phone began to ring. My wife picked it up to hear, Hi, this is Wayne Dyer and I'm at LAX airport between flights. I get hundreds of letters and emails every day, but I got one from your son and I had to call. Uh, We had goosebumps. How could this be possible? For years, he said, I had read books by Dr. Dyer and tried to incorporate his teachings and philosophies into my life. My family also enjoyed listening to his tapes on long road trips, and when I returned home following my brain surgery, the first thing I did was go to my study and retrieve books by Dr. Dyer. Manifest your destiny, the power of intention. You'll see it when you believe it. Our son knew that a call from you could go a long way towards lifting my spirits. You called. It was magical and inspiring. Your comforting words encouraged me to not give up and to have hope and stay positive. I could do that. Positive mental attitude, physical fitness, and spirituality. For me, it became about living in the now and enjoying the gift of each day. And days became weeks, and weeks became months, and happily, months became years. Although we had been very private people, we needed help. We opened ourselves to family, friends, and community. And in return, we found the outpouring of love and support. Now it's about paying it all forward, Dr. Arnold Friedman. So that was 10 years ago, and he sent me that, and he sent me a picture of him and his wife at Machu Picchu, a place. Have you been there, Diane? Have you been there? It's to Machu Picchu? on my list. <laughs> I've it's always on your wanted bucket to be list, It is. Yeah. Well, you had to do your your uh, you know all the all the other things like your hound dog wedding which, to <laughs> I get had to that, do that to first. take that off of you. Yes, right to get that <laughs> off of the list, right? <laughs> That's right. Anyway, it's a magical, magical place. I could I could do a whole show on Machu Picchu and uh, the exquisite time I had there with my family um, about about fifteen years ago. At any rate, so um, so that was the story, and I talked to Arnold for a while and uh, had really forgotten about that phone call. I remember getting the letter from uh, his son. Uh, saying that it was very serious and that his dad had only been given a few few uh, months to live, and uh, would I make the call? Now I've done that quite a bit in uh, over the years, um, just called people and uh, and talked to them, and I talked to some who just before they passed away, and others who uh, who didn't pass away because it wasn't their time. Um, so uh, I, what I did is I asked him uh, if he would like to be on my radio show today. Um, and perhaps he could uh, share a little bit with the audience, and maybe take a few questions from people who have similar kinds of uh, experiences or could use a little help uh, from uh, a man, uh, an oral surgeon, who uh, has been uh, down a, a very, very rough road and has come out of it uh, disease free by, uh, by a major shift in, uh, in thinking and the way he approached his life. So he's, I think he's, you got him on the phone. If we I'm not got mistaken. him. Here's Dr. Friedman. Him?
1: Hello. Hello, hi, Ar- hi, Arnold.
0: Hey, Arnold. How are you?
1: I'm terrific. Thank you.
0: Well, tell us, uh, maybe you can tell my audience, you're talking to people all over the world, um, in Europe, in Australia, in e- Asia, in Africa, so, uh, <clears throat> and in the United States, of course, and Mexico and Canada. Um, tell us uh, what your diagnosis was, what changed, uh, what the, our phone conversation was like, why your son, your son sent me that, whatever you feel like saying. I'm, oh, I want to hear from you, and so wonderful. does the world.
1: Wonderful. We had had just uh, come back from visiting my daughter in Pittsburgh. She was in school. And Mm -hmm. on the way home to Maryland, I started to have a headache, and we stopped off at a mall, and I told my wife, "Mm, I can't do this. We have to go home. The next morning, I couldn't lift my head off the pillow. The pain was so intense. Now, I've never been sick before, And um, I recognized something wasn't right, but I was hoping it was just maybe it was a headache, a migraine, a sinus headache. Mm -hmm. And uh, I called her, and and she said, "Uh uh-uh, we are going to the hospital. She came home. She took me to the emergency room. The uh, emergency room uh, doctor immediately ordered a CAT scan. He came back into the room, and the look on his face was enough to tell us everything we didn't want to know. My poor wife... Passed out. She was lying on the floor. I luckily had been given a shot of morphine for the pain, so I was kind of numb. However, you know, seeing her on the floor like that was just oh heartbreaking. They really? lifted her up and they put her on the gurney with me. And basically, they told me um, you have a brain tumor and you need to you need to have an oral an am a neurosurgeon right away. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, in my career, I worked with lots of different specialties. However, I never worked with a neurosurgeon, never had need to. Mm. And he recommended this young neurosurgeon. he said, basically, if it was me or if it was my family, this is who I'd recommend. So that was good enough for me. Within an hour or two, this young neurosurgeon came into the room. And uh, he said, you have to have surgery. We've got to do it immediately. However, you had taken an aspirin. We can't do it because there's a a risk of increased bleeding, so we'll do it in two days. Two days passed, and I was taken to the operating room. Um, You know, with the understanding, unfortunately, that you know there was a pretty good chance, one, that I wouldn't wake up, two, that if I did wake up, I probably wouldn't know who I was or where I was, and I looked up at this young neurosurgeon, Dr. Rubino, and I said, Greg, you know, if if I don't know who I am when I wake up, then let me go. You know, let me go. Mm-hmm. And and I said, "You, I've also said, but you've got to save me. I have I have more to do in my life. You've got to save me." And the next thing I remember was uh, uh, they were wheeling me down the room to the operating room. And next thing I wake up, and and I looked up, and someone was holding a flip telephone and they wanted to know where I was. Do you know what this is? And I said, oh, of course, that's a uh, that's a phaser or a tricorder. Captain Kirk used that on Star Wars all the time on Star Trek. They knew mm-hmm. right there, my sense of humor was <laughs> there. They said, oh, <laughs> he's okay. A couple mm-hmm. of days later, they released me from the hospital, um, and uh, about four or five weeks after that, I ran in a, uh, in a 5K race for brain tumor survivors, um, and, um, and from that point on, you know, every day has been about staying healthy and staying positive, you know, wow. when you get a, uh, a horrific diagnosis with,
0: uh, how long partner, did they give you, Arnold? How well, did they give you? Know,
1: you... They, they said six months if I was lucky a year. And then mm-hmm. the worst thing is, you know, the computer is a wonderful, uh, instrument. However, everybody goes on and they immediately here, you have a brain tumor. So they start doing their own uh, research, and that's not the kind of thing that you need. And when I talk to people and they call me and they say, well, um, I, my advice to you, stay off the computer. It's mm-hmm. bad. You know it's bad. You don't have to be told it's bad, and you don't have to be told there's no hope. And That's you know, very, you,
0: very interesting the way you say that. I'll just interject here for a second as a... Um, yeah, you know, so many people think that they're doing you a favor by sending you information. And in, in a book I wrote uh, a few years after this happened to you, it's called Wishes Fulfilled. I talk about uh, what kind of uh, you know information that you allow when you have something like this. And I often give the example. It's a little humorous example of uh, I had a um, uh, a little skin cancer thing on my face um that i had to have removed by you know by a dermatologist and so on and they had to dig a little bit and take this thing out and and I was telling uh, this couple about it, and this woman said, oh, my God. She said, my friend, uh, her husband had the very same thing, and they had to cut his penis off. Oh, <laughs> I, said, no. I said, oh, my God, I just thought I had just a little thing on my chin, and now I'm going to have my penis cut off. And it was, uh, But people do, they want to say, and when I had a diagnosis of leukemia, um, you know, three years ago, I had lots and lots of people sending me wonderful wishes, but also telling me all of the, so much information that uh, wasn't really designed to to help me to 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 deal with this or to uh, you know to perhaps uh, overcome it. It was really sort of uh, information telling me to give up on it. This is always terminal. These are the kind of things that and and so you have to be really really careful about what kind of information you allow into your head. And so I want to come to the to your son. Your son wrote me a letter. Uh, and maybe you can just tell me a little bit what he wrote and, and talk a little bit about our conversation because that's what I posted on the, on the Facebook
1: page. Well, well it, it, was, it was a huge surprise to me because we had just come back from the hospital. And like uh, my wife had, uh, had mentioned, that, that uh, we just came in, the air condition was broken, and I said, let me call them. And they said, well, Dr. Friedman, we've had a relationship with you at home, at your home and in the office. We'll come, we'll come out to your house. And I told Carol, turn the car around. We've got to get back to the house immediately. Um, and I was sitting out on the deck reading the power of intention, uh, miracles. You'll, when, you, when you believe in miracles, you'll see them.
0: You'll and see it when to, you believe it, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is God honest fact. I'm reading these books because I had, I've gotten so much positive inspiration from these books over the years. And what else could I do? I mean, I, I, I had to I had to find something positive. I took the mm-hmm. books down, and the phone's ringing. I hear it ringing because the screen door is is right there between myself and the kitchen. And she says, "Who? Who's this?" And she said, "Arnie, I, I think you're going to want to take this phone call." Now, I I just back from the hospital. I, you know, I have a terrible prognosis. I'm I'm riddled with fear. And the phone rings, and, and she says, it, it, I think you're going to want to take it. And I pick up the phone, I said, hello, and I get you. And I said, mm. hi, and, and it, this is Dr. Wayne Dyer. And now I'm in shock. I had been taking, uh, they had given me steroids to keep my brain from swelling post-surgically. Mm. And that lowers your, you know, your emotional level. And I am hysterical. You're on the phone. I mean, I, mm. it might as well have been the Pope. Or, you know, the head rabbi of Israel. I mean, I just couldn't believe it because I couldn't make the association. Why would mm. you be calling me at this mm. point in time in my life? How could you know? Mm. I just didn't understand it. I came to understand it later when I found out that my son had contacted Hay House and gotten your, I think got Maya, and somehow connected with you, sent the email to you, and that you were gracious enough to, to answer that that uh, email, and then I got the phone call from you. And I remember you, you, you saying to me, um, you know, that, you know, to be strong and to stay positive. And I remember you ended the, the conversation, you said Namaste. Now, I have mm-hmm. been to India, and I, I'm familiar with the Sanskrit term Namaste. And what a mm-hmm. beautiful thing. I bow to the divinity in you. Mm. we all have that spark of divinity everybody every living thing has that spark of of divinity i didn't really appreciate it till i got to india and everybody just bows to you and says namaste mm. and what a what a wonderful thing and so you ended the conversation by saying namaste to me and and you know and then you you also said well you know, I don't do this for everybody. I'm going to give you my cell phone number. And you did, and I was absolutely bowled over with that gesture of of kindness. And time had gone on, and I picked up my cell phone, and I tried, oh, you also said, whenever you're ready, you'll come to anyone of the lectures, anywhere I'm giving, you, your family, you'll come as my guest. And we did. You were at DAR DAR Constitution Hall in Washington. We Mm -hmm. came we met you, we took pictures with you, and it was just a wonderful day, very uplifting. And, and, um, and I remember, um, you know, having that number. And, and I, a couple of years passed by, and I had your cell phone number, and I tried calling the number, but I got it was disconnected. You might have been away, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, just a few days ago, I was looking through a, a loose leaf, and, and I found some notes. And at the back of the loose leaf, loose leaf was your phone number. I dialed it, and you picked it up. And it was mm. a miracle. It was a miracle. Mm. And I remember after after the uh, my family all got together. They came in. My daughter came in from school. My my son came from Hawaii, and we were hugging and crying. And and uh, and I said to them, I said, you know, there's going to be miracles when you have stuff like this, bad things really happen in your life. There are miracles and miracles do happen. And we hugged and I said, you know, when you when you climb up a mountain and what happens? Or when you start going down the mountain, you hit the valley, the peak, the lowest point. And I couldn't think of a, of a lower point in my life than where we were right there. But I said, when you get to the bottom, that's when you start going up the other side and you start getting back your life. And it took a while. It took a long time. I mean, I had the worst case of post-traumatic stress. Um, every time I stubbed my toe or I had a, a, a twinge of anything, I said, oh, my God, it's coming back. And I worried mm-hmm. about it. And then the days became weeks. Weeks became months. I remember waking up every morning, and I'd hug my wife. I'd look over her, and I'd say, I'm still alive. And she would say, absolutely. And this went on mm-hmm. for months and months and years, and we would do that. And, um, and so, you know, after, after you, you had, uh, after I got reconnected with you, um, and then I found out that it was my son who was behind this whole thing. And I thought, wow, to have that much love from a child, well, he's a man and not a child anymore, but to have that much love that he went out of his way to figure out how to contact you through your publisher and have you write a letter or an email with with such emotion that got you to call me it, it was amazing to me i mean i yeah, had, i even have gone to assisi you you mentioned many times about saint francis and i was down where he prayed down below and that stone mm-hmm. where he touched it i was there and i was i i will tell you another story because it's it's goosebump time goosebumps we were in peru and, uh, we I saw a there's tour. a
0: picture, a picture of you and uh, and your wife Carol uh, at at Machu Picchu. Right. Uh, I assume this is uh, this was taken after you, you started to heal from your uh, from your right. tumor. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. We we had we uh, we've done a lot of traveling. Like I said, we've been to almost. I I had lit candles in so many churches. <laughs> I couldn't begin mm-hmm. to tell you where I've right. been. And we were we were on this trip in Peru, and all I wanted was to have one of my doctors up here one of them say, it's over. You don't have to worry, it's over. Some mm. of them did, but with cancer, you can never be 100%. Right. And so we were in Peru, at and uh, right right there before dinner, the tour brought in an Inca shaman, and the man spoke a little English, who mostly spoke native dialect of Coquillo, and he performed a ceremony. He took elements from the Earth, the sky, water, wrapped them up in a newspaper, and he went around the room to each individual and said a few things, and he shook them in front of people in different parts of their body. And then that went on for a little while, and then he took I guess he took it outside and he burnt it. Then the tour guide said, "Okay, it's time for dinner. Everybody head for the dining room." And everyone got up. And went to the dining room. I looked at my wife, she looked at me and she knew immediately what I was thinking. They all left and I stayed back. And this man looked across at at the two of us and I got up to approach him and he just without he said, I know, I know. It's been hard, but it's over. I was mm. in tears. I couldn't believe that I was hearing this from this
0: man. I had that same experience with John of God uh, with my leukemia when I saw him in person up at uh, in upstate New York at the at the Omega Institute, and I stood in front of him, and I wasn't put in there as a celebrity or as a special person or anything. I was just slipped in among the th- there were fifteen hundred people who had gone in front of him that day, and he stopped and he just looked at me, and uh, and in Portuguese he said, uh, "It's over. You are healed." He said, "You are healed." Uh, wow and, I know that feeling. And yeah and it was uh, I mean I can just remember the energy that went through me and I uh, from that day on I've I felt that uh, there was no longer any cancer in my body. Now many things have come to me since that time for me to and I want to talk to you a little bit about this before we can go to the phones um, about um, I now find myself doing fresh juicing every day. I find myself doing coffee enemas every day. If you have cancer in your body, that's the Gerson method. These are all things that just came to me. I've shifted around my uh, my, my spiritual practices. I, I've been I'm, I read uh, you know uh, spiritual literature every single day. Um, I meditate for uh, a good hour to an hour and a half every morning, and then again in the evening. Um, I, I, in other words, I not only just had a, an amazing uh, experience like you're describing, but I began to see that I had to make shifts in my own uh, my own approach to my own health and my own healing and my, and my own body. And it was like I became conscious of everything that I put into my body. And... Um, and I, I noticed in your in your email to me that you sent to me yesterday and in our conversation, you talked about one of the ways that you handled this diagnosis of, uh, you know, getting your affairs in order and you have a few months left uh, to, to live from a malignant brain tumor. Um, you talked about the, living in the now, the present moment, uh, not thinking about the future and how long it's going to be, but taking being in a state of gratitude, if you will. And I think this time of year, at the holiday season and so on, maybe you can... Say a few words about that because there's a lot of people listening who are either themselves or have uh, uh, family members who, uh, who are struggling with the same kinds of diagnoses and the same kind of things that uh, you've been been dealing with. And, uh, and what is it that, how did you, uh, what, what, what kinds of things did you do on a daily basis um, to bring yourself to a place where uh, um, you could transcend this, this cancer diagnosis?
1: Well, uh, I, I knew from my own experience how important the immune system was and I determined that what I can do for myself is get into the most optimum physical uh, state for my body. Mm -hmm. Every day started with a shake. I would drink something boost with bananas and fruit in it, Um, and I would be in that gym, and I would start with aerobics and even weight training, and I continued to do that. And as I did it, my body started to change. I started Mm -hmm. feeling younger. I started looking younger. People would mm. comment. I said, "My God, you look terrific." I said, "Well, mm. you, you know, I, I all I can say is thank you." And um, and I, the doctors would say, "Whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it." And mm. so that was perfect. That was my medication. That was my prescription. I got up and I would still and continue to do that. And you know, and as, as for living in the moment, you know, you spoke about it many times, and uh, I believe Eric Tole told. As mentioned in his book, very important how important it is. You can spend your time worrying about the future, or you can spend the whole time, you know, thinking about the past. But all we have, all of us, you, me, my children, is the now, right now. And this is where we have to spend our time because this is the most valuable time. You know, I remember reading something uh, years ago. Um, of the uh, things we worry about never happen, and the other 3% we can't do anything about, such as a terrible prognosis or diagnosis. Mm. And so, you know, if you spend all that valuable time being concerned or worried, then you lose what's the most important thing we have, our present moment, our time Mm. right now. I woke up in the morning after this and I started to smell the roses. I started to see things. I remember I would get up in the morning and go to work and not even know how I got there. I would just drive there automatically. My mind would be on 10 million things, what happened yesterday, what might be tomorrow. And I was, I was, I even remember when I'd go to the gym, I would take a shower and not even remember taking the shower because my mind was on, you know, on fast forward. So, you know, this, brings you to it brings the whole world into perspective you know and i and i tell people you know from the time we are born you start you know you you build up but but life is short you know you have to you have to live the life that you're given and and you have to stay aware you have to stay aware you have to practice it if you're not constantly vigilant you know, that little demon in your mind will start playing games and start pulling you and saying, mm-hmm. well, you know, uh, this is pretty bad. You've got a bad disease and, uh, you know, you don't have a good prognosis and this may just kill you. And you have to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to be thinking that. that that's not mm-hmm. the thing I want to be thinking. So, so you've got and, got,
0: you started to get really conscious of your thoughts then. is that oh, uh, like yeah,
1: an, most definitely. Mm-hmm. And I remember... When I went to when I went to the oncologist and I went to the radio oncologist and the neurologist, I said, "Look, I know it's bad. I'm a doctor. I've studied it. I know what a glioblastoma means. It has horrible prognosis. What you have to do every time you see me is tell me something positive. I want to mm. hear something positive, even if it's the your shoes look nice. I, something good, you know." You don't have to tell me. I know, and you know. And this is what I had to tell people who were coming to see me. I mean, they were coming. It was almost like it was my wake. You know, people Mm. were coming to say goodbye, and I said, "Whoa, I'm I'm not leaving tomorrow." You know, I'm here right now, Mm. and and so, and you know, and and so it took a while. I had to educate the people around me and the people who were close to me, and you know, and yeah, I heard all the bad things, you know, because they 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 let it out and.
0: And you can see it in their face. So one of the things, Arnold, that I've uh, discovered uh, in in the reading that I've been doing this year, I've been studying something called Vasistas Yoga, which is an ancient uh, spiritual uh, Hindu text uh, that even the Bhag- even pre- uh, predates the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and and they say two things. There there are two gateways. There's four, but there's two of them. I want to just speak about just for a moment. One of them is um, uh, the is to stay. Yeah, they they call it. Uh, to stay in contact with the with the scriptures now this is not necessarily uh you know religious scriptures but to to be to immerse yourself in the literature um that is provided that has been provided and is offered by some of the greatest thinkers and minds you know that have ever lived and so on even contemporary people and so on to constantly be reinforcing through your reading through what your know, your your uh exposure to you know these kinds of ideas that you might not have thought of that's one and the other is what they call satsanga which is uh, uh, watching the kind of people that you hang out with I mean who are who are the um, who who are the influential people in your life and when they do come to you like with a story like you know my 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 friend's husband had the same thing and had his penis cut off uh, what kinds of things do you do with it do you use uh, you know like do you allow yourself to be in the company of people who are going to bring you down, or do you seek out people uh, to be in the company of those who, and I suggest that your son probably, in writing a letter to me uh, and asking me to talk to you, was in some ways uh, aware that it was really important for his dad, who he loved so much, um, to be immersed not only in the scriptures or in the literature of, of healing, if you will, uh, as well as the, the people that you hang out with. Um, did you notice any changes in oh, that yeah. in your life? Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, we we weren't we weren't religious, uh, but right after that, we started going to our synagogue. We met our mm-hmm. rabbi. We spoke to him, and I, I, you know, and I said to them, e- to a priest, to a rabbi, you know, we're worrying about uh, you're worrying about the uh, congregation not being as big as it was, and. People are falling away from it. I said, "Do you know something you want you want to fill the pews of every church and every synagogue in the world. Just tell people they can't go anymore It's over. You can't do it anymore and boy, that will turn it around and let me tell you, I cried, I prayed, I would sit there, and I would have tears running down my face while other people were in the congregation looking and why what's he you know what's going on there because it was so powerful, it was so powerful and to get the response from so many people who I didn't even consider my first, my first tier of friends, my first closest circle of friends, but people were sending me emails nonstop every day. I'd get a joke. I'd get some connection from people, you know. And you know, you read and you see all the bad stuff on the news and CNN, but I got to see the beautiful part of people. I got to see people mm. reaching out with their heart. You know, they felt it seems like
0: the, it, it. almost feels like this was, as you look at it now, was almost a gift to you. It, I mean, it was a gift. It was a
1: gift. You know, what I, did it do?
0: I, what did it do for you? What did uh, what did it change in your life? I mean, I I think about that with uh, with several of the things that I've had. I've had a minor heart attack, and I also have had, uh, you know, a diagnosis of leukemia, and even have been through, you know, a very tough road in. Uh, in a relationship, and so on, and that, and I look. I now look back on all of those things, even the days that I did drinking and so on. I look back on all of those as, as, as these great gifts that that showed up in my life, which uh, were masked as uh, as obstacles or or, or, such, or painful things that I would never wish on anyone and then i realized that uh, the universe is somehow working with us when we when we have these things and there's something that we can do to realign ourselves to a healing modality and it seems to me that that's, uh, that took place for you as well
1: oh i had i had a a partner in my in my practice and you know i really liked him and it it, it, it didn't work out the relationship fell apart And that it didn't end in a friendly way. And one of the things, and I had lots, I was a scallywag when I was, you know, in my residency. And I dated a lot of different women. And and a lot of those didn't turn out the way they should have. And I felt bad. I called up everybody that I might have wronged in any way possible. I apologized. I sent them Mm. love. And they sent it back. And, you know, and I was at one of these races for hope. And the next thing I know, I get someone comes up behind me and gives me a big hug. And it was my ex-partner. He came mm. to that race and he gave me a big hug. And it was, you know, I said, you know, the past is over. Forget about it. You know, it never mm. happened. And things like that, you know, happen to me almost every day. I, I, re, I you know, people call me because they get this horrible prognosis. And uh, they, they hear about this one person who's, who's alive. Who, who didn't succumb to the odds. The, the, the uh, statistics are terrible. And so people call it's me. All,
0: I, I think uh, I can remember I've done this similar kind of things, and not in quite the same way, but uh, um, I had made a decision several years back that I wanted to make amends to every uh, person that I've ever known that I might have had any... Uh, uh, you know, struggles with, difficulties with, uh, arguments with, or even uh, that I might have uh, misused or abused uh, in any way or been disrespectful toward and so on. I And I can remember in a period of time, and it was uh, shortly before uh, I had the diagnosis with the leukemia, I had I called my ex-wife um, and 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 told her uh, how uh, you know how deeply sorry I was for some of the ways that I had acted when I was in my twenties and thirties. I actually went to uh, when I was a kid. I can remember doing some shoplifting. Um, which I'm not particularly proud of, but I did do when I was a young boy, and I went back to those stores and repaid that, and, uh, and I did it anonymously. But I, it was like I was cleaning, and it wasn't for karma purposes. It was to purify myself, in in, in other words, to be in in a state of uh, of love, and and every single person. There were people who had borrowed money from me who hadn't paid it back. There were people who had. You know, who done things that I didn't like, and so on. And I, I made contact with every single one of those people, and said to myself, and I said to my wife, I said that, at this point, if I were to die today, there's not one person on this planet uh, that I haven't made amends to, uh, or that would, you know, that I would have any unfinished business with. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating that you were able to do that at that time.
1: Wow. Yes. Yeah. You know, and and um, the late uh, Leo Biscaya.
0: Yes, you know, I, I remember, knew Leo. I, I, oh, I, I knew Leo. Yes,
1: mm. and you know, and what I took away from my readings from him, it it doesn't it doesn't cost you anything to be nice to just say to somebody, yeah. you look very nice today, you know, and mm. the, the the dividends that come back to you are enormous. Isn't
0: that's a healing thing, isn't it? I mean, to oh, do that yourself to send that out, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. You know, yeah. when when I was diagnosed and word had gotten out, my 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 dental assistants, who I work with, when they were younger and they first came to work with me, and they said, "Doctor Friedman, you know, you're going to make, you're going to be okay." And I said, "Why do you say that, Janet?" And she said, "Remember, you taught me about the unfailing boomerang." I said, "Wow, I don't know. What is I that? Maybe you taught
0: me about the unfailing boomerang." <laughs> tell us, you know? tell them. Do you remember it?
1: Oh my, sure. And you know, whatever you give out, whatever you give to this world, comes back to you. And have mm. these girls call me and tell me you're going to be okay it's coming back to you yeah. you know i had patients that used to come to me and oh i had they would call and they said look i have no money for the treatment and my my answer was always the same it doesn't matter come in and let me take care mm. of you and you right. know i have i had patients that would bring me a boom box or they'd bring me cds whatever they had and and mm. i would treat them it was never about the money it was about my god Look at, I get the opportunity to put my hands on people to heal them, and I'm not, you know, and, and and what an incredible gift for people to give me that much trust. I was in the office one day, and a man came in, and he didn't have any money, and I said to my wife, who was working in the front of my office at that time, I said, just bring this man back. He's a, a man from uh, Budapest, and I brought him back, I took care of him, and they Next day, um, my wife comes running back. She said, oh, Dr. Freeman, that guy is back again, and he's in the waiting room, but he's taking everything out of the oil. He's taking the brass lamps out of the waiting room. I said, well, well, well if he needs them, let him, let him have them. So what it turned out was this man, Sally from Budapest, was a brass cleaner, mm. and he had he wanted to give me back something for what I did for him. So he polished my lamps and he brought them back. Wow! And I thought, wow. Isn't that and a, amazing? Yeah. yeah and a, and a little bit after that, I get a knock on my door at home, and it's Sally. And he said, "Wow, America is great. I, I met these women from Hungary, and now I drive for them. I'm their chauffeur. And I wanted to come and let you know everything turned out good."
0: To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.